Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to the Ball Blast Podcast. Here to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Kay Majuk, Michelle Majuk, and Jake Trowbridge. Welcome into the Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast, where we are here to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. As always, I am your host, Kate Majuk. You can follow me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And I'm Michelle. You can follow me at BallBlastM, BallBlastEM. And I'm Jake, and you can follow me at Jake Trowbridge with a W. As always, we're here to talk some fantasy football. Be sure to check out the Ball Blast Football website, BallBlastFootball.com. Give Ball Blast a shout out on Twitter. We've got some awesome people managing our social media now, Derek Overby. He puts out some spicy graphics on our Ball Blast Twitter account, and there are times... By your content. There are times <laughs> where we have to say, a little too ballsy, Derek. A little too... <laughs> what did he have? He had, like, the Colts at, like, 5 and 11 going... Or yeah, it, it, was, it was a little spicy, Woo. but you know what? He keeps it ballsy I on like it. the Ball Blast Twitter, so you got to love it. when I went to Derek and I said, whoa... Whoa now. You're, a whoa. That was a little ballsy. <laughs> he had some really great reasons why he put the Colts where he did. And as long as you have reasons to back it up, I'm cool with it. That's literally what this <laughs> brand is all about. So, hey, we don't hate it. If you're so generous, please smash five-star marks on your Apple Podcast app, on your girlfriend's app, on your boyfriend's app, wherever you can touch a phone. Go in, You know what? Go to the Apple store. Just click down the line and go to every single iPad on display and click those five-star marks because it helps other people find the show. It's still the off-season, guys. We don't have a ton to talk about, but there is one piece of news, right? I mean, it's not news yet, Mm. but I think it will be next week once he finally can be traded. What is it, June 2nd it has to be after? June 1st. June 1st. So the talk of the town. Free news. Talk of the town. What everyone wants to have an opinion about on Twitter this week is Julio Jones. Will he be traded? Will he not be traded? You know, you're kind of the talk of the town. Talk of the town. You know, the talk of the town. Talk of the town. I mean, I think when he was secretly recorded on first take, uh, he pretty much said, I'm out of Atlanta. So I think at this point, we all know Julio Jones wants to be traded. Will he? And is it a good thing for him to be traded? Like, is there another team that would be good as good as the Falcons for him for fantasy, Jake? No, <laughs> there is no better landing spot for Julio Jones than right there, right at home. You stick around uh, and you remain fantasy productive in Atlanta uh, because they are a passing dynamo. That's all they do over in Atlanta is they pass all the time. Uh, they're second in passing attempts over the last three years. Like, that's what you want for a guy. And so I'm Well, when terrified, you don't have a running back, you'd, 
you gotta you gotta do some sort of play. That's the issue is all these teams that are so pass heavy. You you have the Steelers who never run it. You have Tampa Bay who rarely runs it. You have the Bills who rarely run it. Like they already have. You have Dallas. They already have so many great wide receivers. Oh. Julio Jones is going to be a great addition to any offense, of course. Like, all of these teams would want Julio Jones, but they don't need them. So spending up on a 31-year-old wide receiver doesn't really make sense for these pass-heavy teams. And then you're looking at probably the best option is, like, the Detroit Lions because they have no one. But will he go there? I don't I don't know. He said it, he wants to win. Yeah, so he's probably not going to go there. Tennessee Titans would be a, a really nice fit for him that he could win there. There's targets. But, but the question can is, can both AJ Brown and Julio Jones like kill it? Kill it? Like they can both succeed, but can they both get fourteen hundred yards? Kill it? I actually think they mm-hmm. could. I I'm not hating on that. I think Julio would only help the efficiency there in that offense. My issue with Tennessee is, do we think they have a really good enough defense to really be in contention? Are they a Julio Jones away from? A Super Bowl because I feel like they're more of a mm. defense away from a Super Bowl. Their offense. Though. I don't think the whole. I don't think Julio Jones changes their equation as much as a defensive stud would. Well, they got Bud Dupree, and I don't think he's as good as everyone else does. He just, you know, rushes the passer in every single play. So yeah, you're gonna have sacks, but the percentage of the times he gets to the quarterback, it's not high. Anyways, they added him. And then, you know, they made the playoffs last year. They were in the game against Baltimore for a little bit before Baltimore kind of pulled away. But I do think Julio Jones in that offense, like, how do you, like, the, the, it's only three guys, right? It would be Derrick Henry, Julio Jones, and A.J. <laughs> uh, Brown. And you might say, yeah, we can stop three guys, but those are three of the strongest men in the NFL. It's like the most dominant human beings in three life. Three guys I would not want to meet in the dark alley. <laughs> you can put two no. defenders on both of those guys, and it's not going to stop them. Oh, and AJ Brown is so heavily recruiting him. It just—it's so crazy to see a player do that, like on TikTok, just all over Julio Jones, wanting him in the lineup. All over. Yeah, I don't know. Patriots. Patriots, Ugh. though. If he goes there as the other option that was sort of listed and floated around. I hated it initially. I'm actually softening if he goes to the Patriots because it's not going to be 2020 Patriots that he's going to. It's more likely going to be closer to 2019 Patriots who did throw the ball a lot with Tom Brady there. If Mac Jones gets to start, like, no, it's not going to be amazing, but it'll be a little not terrible (laughs) or not as terrible as I I like it a lot for Mac Jones. If he's a starter, I like Hmm. it way more for Mac Jones than I do for Julio Jones. I, I think that would help Mac Jones so much with his transition from college to the NFL. I think that's a perfect move for the Patriots if they plan on starting Mac Jones. If you plan on starting Cam Newton, why are you trading a first or second round pick for, I mean, I guess they already did that with Atlanta. They gave a second rounder for Mohamed Sanu. So do you think Atlanta is going to be like, right. oh, yeah, we'll give you Julio Jones for a second, the same that you paid Sanu? Like you are, God, for all of that they and have Sanu was old, too, at that point. <laughs> Sanu was super old at that point, too. Like, I don't know. For all that they have accomplished just as a dynasty in the they NFL, do some they stuff. do some really goofy stuff around the draft. And I just don't think... They have some questionable moves there. But 
So my question for you guys, and then we can go into our main segment because I'm so excited for this segment. Michelle, you were born for this segment today. Oh yeah, we're gonna be doing some Your time to shine debates. Ooh. We are going to be debating some fantasy assets, but I want to bring up the point that over the last five seasons, Julio Jones has averaged 160 targets per year. That's so Where wild. is he going to get those? Is there any? I don't think there's any single offense. Like, I would love for him to go to the Titans. I think that would be an opportunity for him maybe to be more efficient with his targets. But I, I don't know where he's going to go and One find place I would targets. really like, not as a Steelers fan, that would hurt me, if the Browns traded Odell, which it couldn't be to Atlanta because the whole point of Atlanta trading Julio is that they can't afford Julio. They also can't afford Odell. But if they traded Odell somewhere else and then traded for Julio, I think that would be almost a better fit than Odell there. But also, I don't think Odell or I don't think Julio would get 160 targets in the Browns offense. But to be fair, we did recently learn when all of this news came out that it actually was Julio that had requested the trade. I all have us- it. I have the spot. The Jacksonville. Jaguars. Ooh. He said he wants to win. That's so true. <laughs> he wants to go and actually Trevor win. You do not have I don't think spot. they're gonna get Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Alright. Uh what about Packers? I'm saying it. I'm saying it. Go to the Packers. Go get that championship. Bring Aaron Rodgers back home. You can't afford him, but it would be great if you could somehow make that one. What work. about the Colts? One last option here. Can Carson Wentz be good enough to win? The Colts is actually my favorite fit in the entire NFL. I think that would be a great move for just all parties involved. They have the run game. They have the offense. They have the defense. They have the offensive line. The only thing they're missing is like an alpha wide receiver one. They have Michael Pittman, who at TBD, he played well last season, but didn't show uh, Justin Jefferson type play. Hard to do, turns out. But... I just think that the opportunity for Julio would be the greatest there, and I think that would be a good move just for their franchise in general. The only question is what would they do in terms of draft capital? Because if they actually end up, I think it's making the playoffs, then their conditional second rounder becomes a first rounder that was traded. So they have like a condition on, oh, on yeah, their Oh, yeah, they can't trade their first or second. That's a That's a good point. Uh, 49ers and the Raiders are two teams that have been brought up. I don't love that fit for either one. I know Kyle Shanahan and him have that connection. It just doesn't seem like the right fit for... On what planet are the Raiders contenders? I just need, like, what? Well, I mean... Just saying. I would rather... uh, As much as I hate Derek Carr, he's an average quarterback. Like, he can get Julio Jones the ball. If you want to go to the Raiders, you should go back to the team who spanked them last season, embarrassingly... Go play for the Dolphins. Like, I love that. That would be so fun to Ooh, watch. I don't hate that, actually, like from a fantasy don't hate perspective, it from a fantasy especially. Because he's going to get targets if he goes to the Dolphins. So that's kind of And intriguing. I think they that are would be a very sick close. offense with Will Fuller and Jalen oh. Model and Julio Jones. Oh and then Devontae Parker becomes your <laughs> wide receiver four. Like, yeah, maybe he's not great as a wide receiver one, but as your wide receiver four, that'd be the best wide receiver four in like in the NFL easily. Uh, and then you also have Mike Isicki, who's super talented, and then Miles Gaskin. You're kind of just missing that elite running back, but Miles Gaskin's good enough. That's a good offense. 
God, yeah. Aaron Rodgers would be True. so jealous of Chua that wide receiver kill it. All right. That is enough about Julio Jones. We will learn, hopefully next week, where he gets traded to. I do actually, you know, when the news first started coming out, I was like, Julio Jones isn't going to be traded. And then you dig into the cap issues, and really, they have no other choice. No, the issue. I think the issue is the fact that I, I don't really think it's a cap thing because next season, come back, and Julio... If he's traded after June 1st, he still counts for $15 million against their cap for next season. So, yeah, maybe you put Ooh. a bandage on it for the 2020 year, but you come right back and there's an issue in 2022. But they can't even afford to pay their rookies right now. Like, I would be so mad if I was one of their rookies. Like, you've been waiting all this time to get your big payday, your signing bonus. Like, even, like the parents of these rookies are probably, like, waiting to retire, especially, like, Kyle Pitt's parents. And they're just not getting paid like the other guys. Like, that's ridiculous. They have to pay their rookies, and they can't until they trade Julio Jones. They have no other options. It's I just there are other players that I would sooner put. It's on only the- one other guy that is even a possible. Uh, uh, I can't think of his name right now. The defender. The cap is a myth. If you want to keep Julio Jones, mm-hmm. you find a way to keep Julio Jones. End of end of segment. The Falcons are really really rough right now. Anyways, I said end of segment. And uh, last thing before end of segment, Russell Gage. No, stop. It's not a thing. <laughs> stop it. Oh. oh. <laughs> Like, Poor guy. He wasn't a thing when Julio Jones He's just out there having a normal, pleasant day. He's hustling the corner, begging for his paychecks because the Falcons can't afford to pay him. If anything, Kyle Pitts will just be used as a wide receiver year one. Not a problem. Yeah. All right, everyone. We are going to get into our main segment today. We're doing some debates. And Kate said, this is totally what like I was born for. I love debating. I love to just <laughs> knock down people and make them feel bad about themselves. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do this segment anymore, you guys. Is it too late to I'm abandon just kidding. them? kidding. Michelle, were you, were you in like debate teams and stuff I in high wasn't. school? Because it feels like you should have been. I was very, very shy in really? high school. I would have never, ever done that. I don't know. I you wouldn't in- have guessed it, huh? <laughs> nope. But before we get into our main segment today, I want to talk a little bit about Underdog Fantasy. Our latest sponsor for Ball Blast Football, our latest partner, they are absolutely crushing it. Coming off a huge rookie season, the expectations for Underdog's Fantasy sophomore season are sky high. They are answering the call with the biggest best ball tournament ever. Best Ball Mania 2 is a $3.5 million prize pool with a $1 million and $1. Yes, that's right, $1 million and $1. It's not just a million. It's a million and $1. All of those dollars going to first place in the biggest prize ever awarded in a Best Ball tournament. There's no waivers, no trades, no setting lineups. You just draft, which is, let's admit it, that's all of our favorite thing to do anyway. You draft, you abandon the league, and then... You wake up one day in December or January and your account is aplenty with money. And that's the best, that's the best thing you could ever want. So get on over to underdogfantasy.com or download the app in the App Store, Play Store, wherever you get your apps. Take your shot at a million dollars. And when you do, be sure to deposit with the promo code BALLBLAST. When you sign up, you'll get a $25 free credit. It's the best best ball site ever. And I don't know, maybe, guys, should we host a Ball Blast fantasy football podcast 
underdog fantasy draft soon. A hundred percent. I mean, this is Absolutely. this is the draft app for you. For those of you who have used the draft app um, previously, it's the same type of thing. We all missed it. It's and the same guys. It's back with underdog fantasy. Literally, my favorite thing about best ball drafting because you get the drafters right. You get this drafters. I'm not even talking about this anymore with a promo. Like the promo's over. I, but you get this draft urge, and you you want to like join all these dynasty leagues. Like stop doing that because you don't want to pay attention to them during the year. Go do best ball. They're mock drafts that actually mean something. Put a couple dollars down, do a draft, and then like she said, you don't have to look at them the entire year because you don't make any moves. And then you come back in January and like, oh cool, this thing I put three dollars on, I won ten bucks, and that adds up after so many drafts. It, it's just a blast. I don't know. If you ball do, blast. a ball blast. If you do like one draft a week for three bucks. I promise you, you are going to wake up one day in January very happy. Well, unless you just, you're a bad drafter. Unless you're a bad drafter, but if you're listening to us, <laughs> you are not. Yeah. Michelle, let's just get into the show. Fight! 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 fight. Oh, this is going to be good. Fantasy Feud. This segment we're going to call Fantasy Feud. Or should we call Family Feud? Because, like, we're all family. We're family. I think there's. I think there's already a, a show oh. that has. Yeah, that we name, might. We might. I'm not we positive. We might not be allowed to use that. But we're going to do three debates, and the first one is going to be Jake and I. We're going to debate against Debo Samuel versus Brandon Ayuk. The second debate is going to be Kate and Jake. They're going to face off Ezekiel Elliott versus Aaron Jones, and then that third debate will be Kate and I, which will be a fun one. It's a marital dispute. Yeah, you yeah. could say. I have Jalen Hurts, and she's going to debate for Dake. Dak Prescott. You're going to need to edit that out. Got it. <laughs> but this should be fun. And our debates, you know, especially me, I can talk too much. So I'm going to try to time myself and limit myself to those three to four minutes. Just get out my side. The other person will, will get out their other side of the argument. And then the one that wasn't debating that round is going to decide who won that debate. I think we need to get out the boggle timer, you know, with the little sand hourglass like thing it. or minute glass, you know, just, just to keep everybody on pace here. <laughs> so debate number one, it's going to be, I already said it. Right, Jake, yeah, hop out of this conversation. I, you do not get to introduce your own debate. I feel like that is a prejudicial <laughs> okay. way of, of starting this segment off. I'm going to introduce you. In corner number one, we've got Jake Trowbridge with a W representing Debo Samuel. We have Michelle Majuk in the opposing corner representing Brandon Ayuk. Which San Francisco 49ers wide receiver will be the number one in fantasy for 2021? Jake, I want you to go first uh, because I want to be a gentleman, you know? I, I think it's your turn. That is very kind. Yeah. It's very, very kind of you to do. And I'm not a gentleman, so I'm going to just accept it. And I'm not even going to give you the offer <laughs> of a rebuttal to go first. As the Devo guy here, what I'm looking at with the 49ers offense is I'm skeptical that any of those players are going to get 100 targets uh, this year. I think the ball is going to get spread around a lot. Even the man, George Kittle, I don't think reaches that mark here. He did in 2019, just barely, but he didn't have to compete with Brandon Ayuk that year. Um, of course, now Ayuk, Debo, Kittle, 
plus some running backs, whoever else. And there's always a crowded wide receiver depth chart there. So if they're not getting targets, what I want out of these players is uh, diverse utilization and explosiveness. So that's what I want out of Devo. So he can get used in the way that we've seen Robert Woods get used the last couple of seasons where he gets that nice rushing upside. Uh, he had about 160 rushing yards his, uh, his rookie year, added three rushing touchdowns on top of that. So that's nice. That's a good uh, safe extra to get out of a player. And they can use him all over the field. So I, I do very much like that. It's not that I dislike Brandon Ayuk. It's more just about um, if, if you don't get the touches. And it doesn't matter. I assume Trey Lance is going to start. And it's probably not going to be almost any of Jimmy Garoppolo. That's just the vibes that I have about this. Um, and so uh, I, I, like, I like the way that Debo can be. I know people will say he's like a gadget guy. But I think he's more than that. I think he's better than just a gadget guy. I think he's a more overall uh, well-rounded player than that. I think it's fair to say with Trey Lance that you want to take the guy who's cheaper just because you don't want to pay up for Brandon and Ayuk, especially if you don't think they're either one's going to get 100 targets. But I would just not want to draft either one then. Then draft Debo. Like If he's not going to get 100 targets, then he's probably not going to be very good for fantasy either. The reason I'm willing to go with Brandon Ayuk, even though I'm a little bit nervous with Trey Lance with like how he's a mobile quarterback, he's going to be a run first, like who knows how much they throw the ball. But Brandon Ayuk was so good last year. He averaged 15.4 fantasy points per game in PPR. That was a wide receiver 18 last year in points per game in his rookie season. Fantastic. Since 2010, only six rookie wide receivers have averaged 15 plus fantasy points per game. And that was Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Justin Jefferson, and Brandon Ayuk. Like, pretty great list there. Uh, I just think coming out of school, I was a really big fan of him. He got the draft capital, and they used him like that. Uh, the last 10 games, 10 weeks, he averaged 18.4 fantasy points per game. He was the first rookie wide receiver in NFL history with a streak of six games of 17 fantasy points. And seven, or he got 10.7 targets per game in weeks 8 through 12, which was tied for second in the NFL with Stephon Diggs. Yes, those targets might come down next year because we have Debo healthy, we have George Kittle healthy, but I still think he's going to be the main wide receiver target there. With Debo Samuel, we just haven't really seen it yet. I mean, I know he's been injured a lot his rookie season. He was okay. He averaged 11.5 fantasy points per game, which was ranked 46. Uh, this year, he didn't do a whole lot except for one game that he played in. I think my biggest worry with Debo is so much of his production has come from having uh, such a high rate of yards after catch per reception, and that just has to come down. This year was at 12.2, uh, which is uh, just an absurd rate, and uh, his rookie season was at 8.5. If he's going to get close to that 100 target mark, the top guy this year in yards after catch per reception was A.J. Brown at 6.2. So that's going to come down. He's really going to have to make up those uh, yards in extra receptions, and I just don't think he's going to get them. He's not a touchdown guy. He's scored four total receiving touchdowns in 22 career games. And I, I know you said that rushing upside's nice, but it, you can't really trust that. I feel like that that's going to go up and down. D.J. Moore, his rookie season, had 172 rushing yards. And then the next two seasons, he had 40 rushing yards and 22. 
now they have Trey Lance and Trey, or like Sermon, actual other running backs on the team. Who knows if he gets those rushing yards? All right, as and Jalen Hurd, who's basically a running back, as well. <laughs> if still, he can ever play, still banking on that Jalen Hurd breakout. I I I like what you both did, uh, and I do think that the yards after the catch discussion is actually pretty interesting because. I feel like that's just generally a product of the offense that we can count on at this point. I mean, George Kittle has absolutely dominated in the yards after the catch category since his breakout. And that's just been, he's done it every year. I thought we were sure to see a drop off in that kind of production after his breakout season. We didn't. There's a difference though between dominating and getting 12.2 or even 8.9 yards of catch. Like it's just, if his targets are going to go up that number is going to come down. The, I, a, the average. It's so funny that you said that about the yards after, because that's I forgot to actually even mention that. Like that was going to be one of my like, oh, got you there. Like he's great after the catch, and then you spun it around. You're like, oh nope, that's going to regress, which is probably true. Because um, it was worth noting, like PFF put out that he ranked first in yards after the catch amongst all players uh, on a per-catch basis over the last two years. Also, fifth overall in broken tackles, which is pretty sweet. I'm sure he, he will still, he'll still lead the league. He'll still be top five. It's just top five over the last five seasons in this category. Like, all the best players in yards of the catch, if with, you know, 100-plus targets, it was around 5.5 to 6.5 yards of the catch. Like, that's the max. It's just... Very unlikely. Fair. He goes three <laughs> yards per reception over that, uh, and he continues to do that. That would be wild. He'd be like the best all-time in NFL history. Michelle, you're crushing Let's the do extremes. <laughs> I think as the judge on this contest, I need to make my ruling, and it is Brandon Ayuk who will have the better 2021 season. Both great arguments. I think both have a tremendous opportunity, especially just – with the hopes that we're going to see some growth within the 49ers offense with hopefully a better quarterback. But I trust Brandon Ayuk to be more of the touchdown guy. And I I mean, that just raises your ceiling for fantasy beyond what I think Debo Samuel has. I'm Debo. sorry, Jake. I'm sorry. It's fair. It's fine. I'll just sit over here and pout. It's no big deal. All right, debate number two. You better get uh, ready real fast, Jake, because you have to debate Kate here. We'll make Kate go first to give you a break. But Kate's going to debate for Ezekiel Elliott, and you are going to debate for Aaron Jones, who's going to be better in 2021. Kate, take it away. It's, it's Ezekiel Elliott. Spoiler alert for anybody who wasn't sure what what I was going to put out there. Yes, it is Ezekiel Elliott. It comes down to just the fact that Ezekiel Elliott has some of the safest volume you are ever going to see in your life. He got his money. They want to get him involved. He's literally only missed one game due to injury ever. Like that's insane, especially considering his touch volume last year got a little banged up. But you know what? The entire offense was just... uh a wreck without Dak Prescott. Ezekiel Elliott splits, though he had a disappointing 2020 season, his splits with and without Dak Prescott were insane out the membrane with Dak in those five games. And remember, Dak didn't even play the full fifth game here. Ezekiel Elliott averaged 
23 PPR points a game, 72 rushing yards per game, 35 receiving yards per game, and a touchdown per game. That's that's pretty good. He was the RB1 in that span. You got to be appreciative of that. There's no running back, I think, that has the the balance between PPR upside and rushing floor the way Ezekiel Elliott does. He's seen no fewer than 71 targets in each of his last three seasons. The last time he saw fewer than 40 targets was 2017. If you can even remember, do you even remember what you were doing in the 2017 season? No, you don't. No. 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 He plays, he's a true three down back. They paid him to be that. He touches the ball inside the five a lot. You got to love that. That's all the kind of touchdown upside you need. He had 14 carries inside the five. Okay. 14 carries in that span to start the season with Dak Prescott. The next most carries inside the five was Derrick Henry with eight. He had almost twice as many opportunities within the five yard line. You'll love that. And then let's just go over his his ranks in touches over the last uh, five seasons since he's been in the NFL. 2016, he ranked second in touches. 2017, 13th. Remember, he was suspended this season. <laughs> he played 10 games and still ranked 13th. 2018, first. 2019, second. 2020, fifth. And then let's look at his scrimmage yard rankings. Second in scrimmage yards in his rookie season, 2016. Then 15th. Again, played 10 games. Then second. Second and 15th last season. Yes, he had a down season in terms of efficiency, but again, product of the offense. There were only three teams also that graded more poorly in terms of run blocking per PFF in the 2020 season. That was Miami Dolphins, Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Los Angeles Chargers. That's one of probably the more interesting narratives that nobody has talked about in terms of, you know, accounting for Ezekiel Elliott. When do I start the countdown for Kate? How many how many minutes does she get here? <laughs> I love Ezekiel I, Elliott. Ten minutes later. All right, Jake. Let's hear Jake, it. Jake, do Aaron Jones. I was gonna get that music where you play yeah. the people off at like the Oscars <laughs> and you just cut in with that. That's what that was gonna be my move here in a second. I do actually think, so I love both these players, and I know that that's so cheap and lame to say, but I do love both these players for 2021, and I think both are going to be fantastic. But this does seem like a debate versus um, volume compared to efficiency to me. So Zeke, of course, as you noted, he gets crazy amounts of volume. A lot of a lot of ball touching happens with Zeke on a regular basis throughout the season. Uh, so he definitely, yeah, I meant to say that. <laughs> he definitely gets... The usage there, and there's no denying that. But my actual concern about him might just be the overload. Eventually, that kind of thing does catch up to a player. And I'm not saying that it's definitely going to with Zeke this year. I just think it's one thing um, that I want to keep in the back of my head is, you know, 300-plus touches basically every season except for his suspended season. It's like, oh, boy, those touches add up. When is when is the cliff coming Aaron Jones, by contrast, of course, never gets close to that much work. He's not going to get close to that much work this year, but he's super efficient when he does. Posted a five and a half yards uh, average per attempt in three of his four seasons. Zeke has never crossed that. 
He's actually never gotten higher than 5.1 yards per attempt, and that was his rookie year. So he does need the volume. Um, Aaron Jones, I have to say it, I'm counting on Aaron Rodgers to come back this year uh, and lead that offense. And I know there's skepticism out there, um, rightfully so. But I believe he's coming back based on the tea leaves of what his ex-teammates have said to this point, that it's fixable. So with Aaron there, you know it's going to be a high-powered offense. Uh, and I think that A.J. Dillon is great <laughs> for real football, and I think he's going to have fantasy relevance. But I'm not worried about Aaron uh, Jones seeding receiving work to A.J. Dillon. Like, the, the receptions are Aaron Jones to have. It's nobody else's in that backfield. So from a PPR standpoint, of course, I love that. Um, and I think he will continue to be just as efficient. They certainly paid him to be. Did they let him test the market, or he, he could have gone out and got a, a high-paying contract elsewhere. Green Bay brought him back, despite having a second-round running back from 2020 on their roster. So I love what that says about their belief in Aaron Jones, too. I like both of these guys as well. I think I feel safer with Ezekiel Elliott just because of the touches he gets that Kate went through. And those splits with Dak last year are, are pretty drastic. Uh, so that does make me feel better about next year with him. I would probably play the safe card there because I think both are going to be good. So I'll go with the guy who I, I know the quarterback will be back, you know, bearing another injury. Uh, and then just we know he's going to get the volume. And I don't like Tony Pollard like everyone else does. So I'm more worried about A.J. Dillon stealing touchdowns than I am with Tony Pollard stealing work. So I'm going to go with the Zeke side. But, um, yeah, I'd like either one. Aaron Jones can be good again. We're all going to discount him again. And then we're going to be like, oh, my, he's so good. Act like we're surprised. Oh, my. <laughs> I really, like, I don't think I was as bullish uh, on Zeke until I was prepping for this podcast. And now I'm just all in on Ezekiel Elliott, which is. <laughs> That's what happens when you prep Ugh. for these things. When I write articles, I like, go try to trade for everybody that I'm working on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I need to go make some calls before I end up posting this <laughs> podcast. But here's what we have. We're, we're at an interesting turning point in the show. We are heading into our final debate, Michelle. The Majuks are currently undefeated. Ooh. But only one. And the only way that that remains, by the way, is if you guys somehow tie here. And spoiler alert, that ain't yeah, going to happen. That's not allowed to happen. I would rather lose than tie. Jeez, that's how I roll. Oh my, okay, all right. So we do have a battle of the NFC East quarterbacks here. So Kate will be presenting the case for Dak Prescott, big Cowboys believer on yeah. Apparently, is Kate. And Michelle will be standing for Jalen Hurts. So with this done, do, it, do we have a preference? Does one of you really want to start first? Kate, what do you want? You know what? I'll I'll keep rolling. I've been on this train. All right. I've been on the the Cowboys. I, I've been riding this horse. Let's just keep on going, everybody. <laughs> Yeehaw! Oh we got to talk about Dak Prescott. I do. I love Jalen Hurts. We have a fantastic contributor, Victoria Victoria Geary. If anybody has not checked out her work, she had a great article on Jalen Hurts, and it was very convincing. And I walked away from that article thinking, "Yep." I want to draft Jalen Hurts in a lot of leagues this year. I probably won't because Michelle and I share a lot of leagues, but I will say I think that Dak is being just as underrated 
in terms of his value and what he could bring to fantasy football leagues and managers in the coming season. And it is because of injury. We forget that Dak was just on a historic pace. He was on pace for a ridiculous 710 pass attempts prior to going down for injury. Do you need to assume that he is going to get 710 pass attempts in his season returning? You don't. It, it doesn't matter. But we've seen him increase his pass attempt volume each consecutive season that he's played. Starting off with his rookie year, he had 459 pass attempts, then went to 490, 526, 596. We've seen the evolution of this offense as Dak Prescott has grown. There's so many receiving weapons there. I don't need to convince you of the talent of Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup, the forgotten child that nobody wants to remember. But looking at the Dallas Cowboys and what they did last season with Dak, it doesn't seem out of reach to repeat it again. I was looking through what he did in 2020 in comparison to some of his career averages. Like, for instance, Lamar Jackson, he had that 9% touchdown rate, which we all knew had to come down back to the planet Earth. And we knew it wasn't going to stay repeated. But in the 2020 season, he only had a touchdown rate of 4.1%, which is actually below his career average of 4.6%. The interception rate, 1.8% of his passes. His career average is 1.7 of his passes go for interceptions. So all of that's on pace. The only thing that we really saw a jump in from his career average was just the number of pass attempts. Everything else from an efficiency standpoint has been really on par with Dak's production as an NFL quarterback. I do think that they are going to need to throw the ball a lot. What factors lead quarterbacks need to throw? It, it's the defense. I know they drafted plenty of defenders, but Last season, they still allowed the six most passing touchdowns, eighth most yards allowed per play, fifth most points scored. And then I want to remind you, they were playing in the AFC East. Like for them to rank top six in these categories, like that is incredible because you played a lot of games against some very low scoring offenses. I don't think they did enough in the draft to address that. And I think they're, the passing volume is going to be there. All the weapons are there. I'm apparently all in on the Cowboys. And let's not forget about Dak's rushing floor, which is so underrated. Nobody appreciates the fact that he is just a talented rushing quarterback, always good for at least three rushing touchdowns on the season, at least. He's just, he's a quarterback that's come into his own. He got paid. He's going to be healthy. I think we're, we're underestimating his potential to finish as literally the quarterback one in 2021. 2021. And I don't think that's out of question. I mean, he was the quarterback two in 2019. Uh, in 2020, he was top three before he got hurt. It's just, uh, I I think Jalen Hurts, I'll get to it in a second. I, I just think Jalen Hurts has the same um, ceiling as Dak, uh, but you can get him much cheaper. And, and that's why I'm going with the Jalen Hurts side. But I would be fine drafting Dak Prescott. And if you want to draft him, draft him. I'm not here to put down my boy Dak Prescott. But why I'm going with Jalen Hurts, so we all know mobile quarterbacks are a cheat code. I don't really have to get into that. 
Last year in his four starts, he averaged 23.7 fantasy points per game. And that includes week 17, where he played an atrocious game. He was benched, but clearly the Eagles just wanted to lose that game. Like that game was not meant for him to be good in. Uh, And when you're comparing that 23.7 fantasy points that Hertz was averaging, that compares to Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson last year on a per game basis. It's nearly just as much as Kyler Murray and Aaron Rodgers. So like he was really killing it in fantasy when he got the starts. Last year in those four starts, he averaged 297.8 pass plus rush yards per game. Uh, That was seventh most uh, among quarterbacks with four plus starts last year. That's just behind your boy Dak Prescott, Mahomes, Watson, Josh Allen, Herbert, and Kyler Murray. So he was right there with all of those guys. And just a fun little stat um, I thought I wanted to share. Hertz joined Michael Vick as the only quarterbacks with 300-plus pass yards and 50-plus rush yards in consecutive games in NFL history, which is pretty cool. That's really impressive. Ooh, yes. But besides all that, I want to get into why I think Jalen Hurts will be a better quarterback next year, not just for fantasy, but also a real-life quarterback. Hang with me here. I'll try to get through everything as quick as possible. But there's three reasons why. It's the offensive line. Uh, coaching changes and that he received a true wide receiver one in Devonta Smith. So with that offensive line, the Eagles allowed the most sacks, quarterback hits, and quarterback pressures last year. They allowed 65 sacks. That's just absurd. But the reason why that could easily change very, very quickly is they lost four of their starting offensive linemen last year for seven or more games. They lost two of their starters for the entire season. One tore his bicep before the season, their left tackle, Andre Dillard, who was drafted in the first round a couple years ago. And then uh, their right guard, Brandon Brooks, who might be the best guard in the league, he missed 16 games with a torn Achilles. They're getting those two back. Uh, They're getting back their left guard who missed seven games, Isaac Sumalo, if that's how you say his name. And then also right tackle Lane Johnson missed nine games as well. And then they just have a great center, Jason Kelsey there. Uh, He's either been a Pro Bowl or All-Pro the last five seasons. So their line could actually be really, really great immediately. The reason why Wentz and Hurts just look like disasters is the Eagles had 14 different starting offensive line combos in 2020. That's the most combos, different combos since 1983. Wow. Six Philadelphia Eagles offensive linemen made their first career start in 2020. That's tied for most by any team since 1991. So what they had to go through with their offensive line was historically bad. You get back all of them, Adland and Dickerson, who is a great center from Alabama, that line can actually be elite immediately. And then the coaching changes. They hired a uh, new head coach, Nick Sirianni. He was the Colts offensive coordinator from 2018 to 2020. And one of the cool things I found was that the Colts actually allowed the most sacks in 2017, the year before Nick Sirianni got there as offensive coordinator. They allowed the most sacks in the league. And then that following year, from 2018 to 2020, they've allowed the fewest sacks in the NFL. So he completely changed over that line instantly. And then also an interesting thing, Andrew Luck, I didn't realize how poor his completion percentage was almost his entire career. Uh, all of his first five years, he 59.2 career completion percentage. That jumped up to 67.3 with Nick Sirianni in the first year. Uh, in 2018. He had just a career year across the board with Nick Sirianni. So that makes me excited about Jalen Hurts. They also hired offensive coordinator Shane Steichen. He was the OC for the Chargers last year in 2020. Only year as an OC. Uh, Justin Herbert was pretty good, I would say. 
broke lots of rookie records. So he did some great things uh, with Herbert there. So I, I think he can also help Jalen Hurts out. And then just with the wide receivers, I mean, who did you really want Hurts or Wentz to throw to last year? Everyone got hurt again, not just on the line, but also the pass catchers. Travis Fulgram and Greg Ward led the team in receiving yards, targets, and receiving touchdowns. Like, that's not what you want. You don't want Travis Fulgram and Greg Ward leading any offense. Now they add Devonta Smith, who you can call him skinny. I don't care. He broke so many records. He single-season SEC records for receiving yards with 1,800 and receiving touchdowns with 23 He's just a baller, and he's going to be so good for that team. I love Jalen Hurts next year. Um, I, I think his ceiling is honestly the quarterback one. Remember when you guys wanted so to spicy. turn the music? I get it. Me. I told you this one was going to be a long one. <laughs> I had a lot of good stuff. Leave me alone. All right, Jake, who won? So, again, folks, remember the Majuks are currently undefeated in this Fantasy Feud series. Jake, let's get the verdict. Just rub it First of all, I don't know why you would rub that in, Kate, right before I'm about to make my decision, <laughs> potentially in your favor, and then you go ahead and throw that back in my Ooh. face. It's just not good strategizing. That's all I'm saying. Uh, it I really do is have to say, <laughs> I do have to say, Michelle, you have definitely given me a reason to increase Jalen Hurts in my ranks. <laughs> I think where I was going to draft him before versus where I'm going to draft him now is definitely changed for the better. Uh, I do think I have to give the edge to Dak. And I think for me, the tiebreaker is the weapons argument. Like I feel more comfortable with the experienced targets that he'll be throwing to. But I'm, uh, this is a bit of a Sophie's choice in like, especially a <laughs> dynasty right now. I don't know who I would be taking. Yeah, and if you're talking straight up, if they're the same price, I'm going to go with the safer option with Dak Prescott. It's just Jalen Hurts is much cheaper to go trade for right now or draft and redraft. Uh, so if I think they have the same ceiling and I feel really good about Jalen Hurts even floor with his rushing upside, uh, then I'll, I'll just wait there, take some better running backs, wide receivers where Dak's going and take Jalen Hurts a couple rounds later. I'm going to be honest, if you For keep sure. hyping him to the degree that you are, and if enough people listen to this, they might have a pretty similar ADP by the time we wrap up this entire offseason. I'm not that... Uh... What's the word I'm looking for? Importante? Yeah, that, that's a good one. I like that. Let's go with that. <laughs> you are, Michelle. I was thinking you are, of influential. Give that ADP Influential is oh. what I was trying to say, but sometimes my brain just doesn't work. <laughs> All right, Michelle. Now that I am the winner of this fantasy feud day, I want to celebrate by giving you a moment to get up on a soapbox for a ballsy take that I don't know society is ready for. Because this is, this is it's spicy. It's spicy. <laughs> Marquise Brown. Yes, Marquise Hollywood Brown is a top 24 wide receiver in 2021. What? Listen, all right? <laughs> Let's look at the end of his season. All right? In this last six games... He scored six touchdowns. He was finally being used in that uh, red zone area. He received 29% of the target share last year in that Ravens offense. And yes, it might go down with Rashad Bateman, but hopefully the defenders will be covering other players. 
And the more I dug into this, uh, that's about all I found. And then I said, Michelle, uh, don't be stupid and stubborn and make a take that you don't actually believe in once you dig into it. So actually my ballsy take of the week this week is don't be stubborn. Don't be just that person who will not fade away from a take that they thought was correct once you did more research. Yeah, I don't think Marquise Brown's going to be top 24. Those six touchdowns <laughs> is pretty much the only thing that brought him into fantasy relevance at the end of last year. He still had under 50, uh, 50 or fewer receiving yards in four of those six games, never hit 100 yards, and never had more than six receptions. He had a pretty decent playoff run, but still, I'm not excited for him with Rashad Bateman and Sammy Watkins and Mark Andrews and J.K. Dobbins. Uh, yeah, so I, I changed my mind. I thought I liked him. I don't. So don't be stubborn, guys. I love this. Don't be so stubborn. Don't be so stubborn. Don't be so stubborn. Don't be so stubborn. Such a good life lesson, Michelle, that you just taught us. And that's what we are about uh, here at Ball Blast Football. Do your, do your homework. And if the ballsy take doesn't work out, you don't need don't to be ballsy. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't force your ballsy take just to be ballsy. We we back up all of our takes here with the best analysis. That is our show for today, everybody. Please consider supporting our show and all of the work we do at ballblastfootball.com over at Patreon. Help us pay all of our awesome writing staff and continue to bring you guys the best fantasy football and league-winning content ever in the world. I am your host, Kate. You can follow me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And I'm Michelle. You can follow me at BallBlastEm, BallBlastEM. And I'm Jake. You can follow me at Jake Trowbridge with a W. And we will see you next week. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. That's it for this week's Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave those five-star reviews, and check out BallBlastFootball.com for more league-winning advice.